Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Rates, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 6, Rejoined, teleplay by Ronald D. Moore and Renee Echeverria and directed by Avery Brooks. This episode aired on October 30th, 1995. This week on Deep Space Nine, Dax is reunited with the Khan symbiont, a wife of one of her previous hosts, and must decide whether or not to ignore Trill Taboo and continue their relationship. So Elise, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you remembered this episode. I did, except that I did not remember that Cisco was so grumpy looking at the fir- in his first scene. <laughs> Um, and I also forgot that Lenora Khan was, Lenora, I feel like I pronounced her name weirdly, was also joined. Like, I somehow had it in my head that Lenara was legitimately, like, or was specifically Dax's ex and not, like, the Khan symbiont being the ex. But, like, that wouldn't have really made sense timeline-wise. Um, so it made more sense that they were, like, two joined trills where the symbionts used to be married. Yeah, I'm just like it's the the joint trail are interesting where it's like the fusion of like the host and the symbiont and the ways in which thoughts, feelings, desires, presentation, gender presentation, et cetera, et cetera, like manifest itself there. And it like it's uh, I said interesting before. I'm trying to think of another word. I'm fascinated by the push and pull of that and the ways in which the symbionts not overshadow the host but like that drive can be really strong because Jedzia has never met Lenara before right but Dax was married to Khan yep right and when Dax was married to Khan Dax was male presenting and Khan was also like um female presenting as she is now like with Lenara mm-hmm. but how beyond those presentations the symbionts still like have that connection yeah and then there's the the cultural taboo in spite of that to kind of prevent that which we can maybe like talk a little bit more about here but uh yeah there's also something about artificial wormholes which i don't think super matters yeah i really (laughs) i really did not i didn't like hate it or anything but i really did not care about like the troll scientist um arriving at this i mean obviously they had to arrive at the station so that we could have this delightful interpersonal drama um that we got to watch um i found it delightful i don't want to speak for both of us um but, like, yeah, I couldn't have cared less about, like, whatever they were trying to do scientifically. I was like, okay, whatever, whatever. Creating a wormhole. Like, let's get on with this kiss. <laughs> um, it's funny because, to, to move on to the, the taboo, it's, I, I have a hard time, like, I mean, obviously I'm not Trill. <laughs> and I didn't make up the rules for their culture. But, like, I don't. I don't know how, like, Jadzia working for Cisco and being friends with Cisco is, like, okay, because that's, like, a person Curzon was connected to, but this isn't okay. And then if I thought, okay, well, if Cisco was a, was also Trill and joined, maybe it would have been a problem. Or if it's, like, just yeah. a romantic thing. 
Yeah, so my understanding of the, the reassociation taboo is it is specific to join trail on join trail, like symbiont on hot symbiont on symbiont act, romantic action. Right. Right. So we've seen, you know, not just with Dax and, and Cisco still have, you know, continuing their platonic relationship. Um, Dax is pretty adamant. Um, and I think it's season two in Blood Oath with Kang, Kor, and Koloth to reunite those friendships and those platonic right. relationships, right? Even having that strong kind of found family, familiar vibe and like, you know, the Godfather situation with, with Kang's son that was, was murdered by... Um, I can't remember the name that they give him in the books. I can just think of the term that we shouldn't use that yes, they call him in the episode. Yes. Anyways, um, in that. So yeah, it's, it's specific to romantic relationships. And my understanding, I've, especially from how the taboo of reassociation is talked about in like subsequent episodes of Star Trek, it's more specifically exclusive to Trill. Um not necessarily and maybe this is just like a legalese loophole or or whatever that you get with a lot of like you know scriptural rules or cultural (laughs) taboos or that sort of thing um but aliens aren't subjected to the same expectations per se so like could a joint trail hook up again romantically with an ex-partner that's non-trill maybe would they I don't know, but right. that's that's more of a that's more of like a gray area. It's more of like a, a trail yeah. thing. I lo- I looked this up a little bit, and it's not mentioned as a reason in the episode. But one thing I found interesting, which is basically a paraphrase from the Star Trek Deep Space Nine companion, was that um, I guess my this might have been attributed to Michael Pillar's idea of the taboo. Um, they were worried that if joined trills got kept like getting together with their old selves it would it would create some sort of aristocracy amongst the culture and i can definitely see that happening if people were just going to keep being within the same families all the time um totally like it almost has it almost has this risk of like creating this like randian like objectivist like society where you have like the joint trill above like everyone else yes and And it's not supposed to be like that even though i think even without this i think some people do treat it that way a little bit um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and there's even um We've even seen it. Was it last season? I can't right. remember the name of the episode. Is it the, but the one, one where her we trainee? About Charan. Oh, and I was thinking about no, like, the, the one with her trainee. I know they're not. Well, both of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, both of them totally. I was thinking of the idea of like Charan, the idea that like more people can, you know, potentially be joined, or you know, there isn't, you know, that mix, and then the way that the trainee wants to, you know, sees it as an status advancement yes. thing. So yeah, there definitely yes, is yes, like yes. an element of that. Well, I love um, that we both thought of that and had different examples because it just proves that we're right. And it is something that is shown to us multiple times. <laughs> One thing I really enjoyed about this episode, at least within the episode, is that none of the drama is related to the fact that it's there are two women that are in love with each other. No one is worried or upset or bothered by the fact that that is what's happening. It's the the connection and the the taboo is related to something completely different. 
and I found that to be quite reassuring in my rewatch of it. Um, though there was not, there wasn't a ton, like, sorry, let me, let me back up. In addition to, you know, some people like me feeling that way, obviously this is 2023. I did not watch this episode when it aired, but there were some affiliates in the U.S. that actually cut the same-sex kiss from the broadcast. And um, I read that Rene Echeverria said his mother was apparently scandalized and said there should have been some sort of, like, parental warning on this episode, which is, like, a little ridiculous. They didn't fuck, like, let's get over it, lady. <laughs> Although I think if it was any other um, show that was on now, they would have fucked. But that's a different... <laughs> a different uh conversation i think this episode gets referenced a lot um kind of in that kind of grand ugh, roddenberry sorry the echo is like because people like are too high on gene roddenberry in my opinion but the kind of like classic roddenberry-esque like star trek allegory right where you're 100 percent correct and this was something that like was really important to Avery Brooks as the director of this mm-hmm. episode, um, where no one's commenting on the gender presentation of Dax or, or Khan, and that's not the issue. It's the idea that the reassociation taboo, right? But that being said, in classic Trekkie fashion, it's not not a gay episode, like right. because the taboo is like the stand-in for same-sex relationships. Exactly. Right. Even though it's not about this, it is really about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that kind of like classic like Trekkian allegory. And there's politics in Star Trek? Like what? Uh, yeah, and like this episode gets mentioned a lot with um oh, what's the what's the name of the episode? I can I What ha- with what? Anyways, the what the original series episode name's not coming to me. The one where like Kirk and O'Hara kiss, oh, which actually um, I fucking hate that episode. Um, it, I forget the yeah, name. Yeah, I it. can't. Plato's stepchildren. Yes, thank you. I it knew it was something something yeah. children, and I just yes, Plato's stepchildren, yeah. which gets credited as the first interracial kiss They're on forced network to kiss in television. That episode. I can't which, even. Which it wasn't. Yes, it um, wasn't. I just think also, it was. They were forced. It wasn't one. Like, is that yeah, like, and there's no. Should yeah. that count? Like. Come on. <laughs> there wasn't like enthusiastic consent in the, in the same sort yes. of way that there is here. So yeah, that's a hundred percent like the, you know, what, what I was like kind of like talking about there and like going, going through that. But there's some, uh, I'm going to quote Ira Stephen bear as we often do in this podcast, the, the showrunner of deep space nine quote, I know they paramount pictures got a lot of negative feedback which only goes to prove a point I've always believed in, which is that science fiction fans and Star Trek fans are as much much more conservative than people want to believe, and this whole Gene Roddenberry liberal humanistic vision is truly not shared by a significant portion of them. My idea that sci-fi fans are socially far-thinking, that they are in many ways liberal, leftist, humanist, whatever, was totally blown apart by the incredible comments we received. There's a strong conservative strain in the American soul, and maybe there's in sci-fi too. I don't think we were saying anything that was extraordinarily out of line, but maybe we were, and that's pretty sad. And that quote is from 1996, and it's incredibly depressing and has only proved to become even more 
real and the case yeah I as feel we like, are almost 30 years later and that's depressing yeah i feel like that foreshadows a lot of things that happened after that quote was said like if you think about the way people react to star trek discovery and they're just being more queer characters and and in addition to sexually queer there's you know, transgender and non-binary characters and people are so angry to have a black woman be a lead of a show. It's just, like, ridiculous. So, yeah. Iris Human Bear was right. Hmm. So, I would say that even though the wormhole stuff and the Dax and Lenara stuff are all wrapped together, that I felt like the wormhole actual like plot line was kind of a B story even though there I neither of us really cared about it that much um but I will say that they were trying to create an artificial wormhole um there's a lot of techno babble we get Michael Eddington um which meant Oda was mostly not in the episode um I want to comment on the fact that the Defiant gets fairly damaged in this episode in the in the final tests of, like, what they're trying to do. And we see some of the most TNG-era-looking graphics, I say that affectionately, that I've seen on Deep Space Nine in, like, quite some time. And that was actually really enjoyable for me. Like, you, we had that whole, like, it looked like a plane almost where she, where Dax has to, like, walk through it to try to, like, rescue Lenara later in the episode and it's just very it's very dramatic and it was very silly and I found the overall lighting in the episode to be a little ridiculous um I don't say that negatively um there's a part where they're at the party at the beginning and just to go off on the lighting real quick and Kira's hair looks almost purple I don't know if it was the version that I was watching or not um which was kind of funny. But there's a lot of interesting lighting choices. And I actually felt like because of the lighting choices, um, Terry Farrell's eyes even looked like more blue than usual in this episode. <laughs> Maybe I was just like starry eyed looking at her the whole time. But there was some yeah. wormhole stuff and there was some lighting stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say on that. But I don't know if you have anything to add on the wormhole. I like the effect. I like, yeah, I like the effect of the artificial wormhole, kind of the way it wasn't like circular, like yeah, it was like the Bajoran wormhole, but it was kind of like the triangles that kind of opened yeah. up, like, um, kind of in a floral sort of way, like or like kind of like the mouth of the demigorgon in Stranger Things, which is an anachronistic <laughs> example, but you know, is what it is. I've never seen that, so I could. Um... It's like think of like the sandworm in Lynch Dune. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like where it's like the triangular and kind of opens like flower-like or whatever. Um, so let's get into Dax and Lenara. Yes. Um, I didn't realize when I first... Well, I usually don't look up like who wrote and directed the episode until I'm about to watch it the second time. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time I watch the episodes twice. Um, and so I didn't realize that Cisco or Cisco <laughs> apologies that Avery Books was the director, and it makes sense because he's really only in like two two ish scenes, really, or two to three scenes and barely. Um, but he tries to give when he tells Dax that Lenara Khan is coming to the station, he tries to give her like an out 
to go um, have leave. And she's like, I can handle it. And we all know when a character says, I can handle it, they, they cannot, in fact, handle it usually. <laughs> so I found that really amusing. <laughs> um, Jadzia and Lenara meet, and there's definitely some sort of, like, connection there. And they're both, like, starry-eyed, and Kira's even like, you know that lady. And then like, we get the, she used to be my wife, fade into the... Um, next scene or if i don't know if it was the theme music or the next scene at that point but it was very much like a a cliffhanger or whatever um (laughs) i found one of the things i really enjoyed about this episode is that they had a lot of people might complain about this but there is a lot of exposition in this episode there's a lot of julian explaining the rules of trill to kira which feels very much like him explaining it to the audience Mm-hmm, and normally mm-hmm, that would bother mm-hmm. me, but it actually worked for me in this because I do think, like, Kira might not know the answer to that. Like, it didn't feel super yeah. unnatural to me. Um, and I, we, we learn at this point the consequences of, even though, like, they just have literally seen each other once so far, we learn the consequences that if they do have feelings for each other and they decide to act on it, um, they're both going to be exiled and their symbionts will die with them because they will be unable to get new hosts. Like, it's very severe. <laughs> that is a very severe consequence to this. Um, I was curious to see other people that are queer's views on this episode. So I did a couple, little bit of research on that, and I actually found an article on StarTrek.com from, like, 2018 um, from someone who I have not heard of before, so Helen Bowie, and then she spoke about her reaction to this episode as someone who's bisexual, and this is a quote that stood out to me on it. <clears throat> something that, this is Helen, something that struck me deeply is the care and compassion Jadzia's friends and colleagues show for her as they try to gain an understanding of the way that her current and past identities and relationships impact her. As a bi person in society, we are quick to define, which is quick to define us all by our most recent relationship. This commitment to understanding was heartwarming. I, I very much agreed with that. Um, I do think it was like, like they had the whole scene where, um, you know, even Quark was, like, trying to figure out the, like, okay, so this person used to be this person, and this person was married to this And I just really appreciated the friends trying to, like, understand everything. Um, but she also, Helen also talked about how the punishment in real life for coming out and being bisexual or being queer or anything like this, like, you can be exiled from your friends and family So, to have that be the example within the show made a lot of sense. One thing that I think was one of the smartest choices this episode makes is, like, when they were were kicking it around the can in the the writer's room and doing a story about the idea of, like, this reassociation trill taboo and how to illustrate it and, like, help the audience understand and, like, yeah, just to twist it and like this, I guess, help the audience understand how like something that is okay to us as like viewers 
isn't okay to like the society. And that was when Ronald D. Moore suggested the same sex relationship. Right. So that's where the allegory of reassociation being for same sex presenting relationships started. The idea of these people, like Kira says, the idea of oh, what Kira's quote here, I have it. Sorry, just let me pull it up. I don't understand how two people who are in love and who've made a life together can be forced to walk away from each other because of a taboo. 100%. Agree. Thank you, Kira. You're an ally. Although, are are you just an ally? Are you protesting a little bit too much? Is there some <laughs> some some inner reflection to do there, Kira? Um, maybe. Um, but I think the choice in that Ron suggested in making this a very special gay episode. Um, happy, are we recording this just as Pride Month is ending? You'll hear it sometime much much later, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, like I, I just think that was a really smart choice when it's like on its face, it's like like love is love and it's like again no like we talked about before no one comments on the gender presentation of yeah, dax and Khan. That's not the issue at all they're talking about the taboo and like that was something that that avery brooks as the director was i think very very adamant about and like you read quotes from from terry farrell and susanna thompson who plays lenara Khan, and like the work that avery did as director to build that intimacy and make them feel comfortable is like actually really cool to read. And I do think it probably comes from Avi's background, like as an actor, as a director, you know, his, his, you know, working at Rutgers and everything else to like really kind of connect with the actors and create that really sort of sense of comfortable and like safe space, which I think is really cool. Thank you. Go Avery. Yeah. Um, Susanna had said that she, he also made them feel protected. Like it didn't, they didn't feel, it was just very comfortable. I really enjoyed how supportive Julian was to Jezia throughout this whole episode. Um, He is a really good friend to her and this episode showed it because she's she, he's busy with whatever plans he has. And he, she's like, come on, you know I'm not supposed to be alone with this woman. Please come join us for dinner so I can have, like, so I can be, like, looking proper in, in, in real life, like, and not, you know, so people are not gossiping. And then he literally sits there and watches the two of them talk all evening and is, like, thrilled when he has, like, an emergency call with, like, his job that he has to go. He's like, peace out, by like, two seconds into, like, being requested as the doctor. Um, but even before that, when I love when Jed Z is asking him and she, like, gives him that, like, cheek kiss, that, like, bestie, thank you. I, I'm just like, ugh, I love these two. Um, they might be my favorite besties on this show, like, so far. I know that we have a lot of pair of besties, with these characters included, but, like, we have O'Brien and Bashir, we have Cisco and Dax, but, like, I don't know. It, it was a, it was a fun, like, one-two punch of, like, last week's episode, um, with the Cisco plot and Jadzia and Julian having that conversation with him last week in indiscretion. And then this week with, you know, the magic tricks and quark and, you know, being yeah. the, the, the wingman on the, the date, you know, the, the, the chaperone. As it were. <laughs> um, Would you chaperone so- my date with my taboo ex for me? Yes. See, although I, 
Although I probably would at, at, at a certain point jump at the, uh, <laughs> the uh, what's it called? The opportunity to go fix someone's broken leg after a bit. Um, <laughs> put, put a pin in that. And after we're done recording, let me tell you a story about third wheeling like that. Oh sometime. my God, that's great. I can't did wait. recently. <laughs> Um, I did yeah. want to like, uh, sorry, I just want to kind of briefly talk about next generation for a second. Oh, sure. So this up, ep- this episode that we're talking about, like I said, it was 1996, but back in 1992 was the first time that 1995 the, the at that was point- this episode. Oh, sorry, 95. Sorry. Right. So three years prior during season five of Next Gen, Star Trek finally tried to do a very its first attempt at a very special gay episode um, in an episode that's called The Outcast. Um, Roddenberry, before he died, had really been pushing and felt it was like overdue for an LGBT to plus q plus episode um or cast members an earlier episode in the first couple seasons of tng that they're working on that was a direct allegory for the aids crisis got shelved because they were scared boo we hate that um and finally this idea of the episode of the outcast was intended to acknowledge that um gay people existed (laughs) what (laughs) yeah 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 just when i said what Uh, i hope you you pictured that like that bird that like gif that where the bird like opens its mouth really wide and turns and is like what i'll have to find yeah. it um the episode without like we could talk about for a whole you know an hour plus um it's really mixed results they were trying to write like you said an episode about like same-sex relationships like as a sexual orientation and ended up i think backing into a really good metaphor about gender presentation and enforcing kind of like gender norms as a as a society i think that wasn't intentional like there's some confusion of of sex like sexual as in terms of orientation and romantic attachment and gender presentation which i think a lot of people still to this day confused 32 31 years later um but i just want to bring this up in terms of like the way that this episode and kind of again classic truck fashion has good intents and gets kind of like messy and complicated in its execution whereas i don't feel as much of that with rejoined right and i think it's like letting the episode not be about it being two women kissing it's two women who in love through like trill taboo can't be together but also on its face it's like them not being able to be together because they're women because of how we read that yeah. as the audience like yeah. from our own so culture within, and i just it's, yeah so like within the context of the episode the forbidden love is the fact that they are exes and they're both joined and then like in star trek the forbidden like in the start in the world like they were probably never gonna let Chagzia have like an actual female like partner <laughs> for real um yeah. not that the writer i don't think it's because of the writers or the the showrunner i i should say i i think that iris Stephen bear's quote earlier kind of talks about that and like it would have just not gone over well i mean <laughs> i'm not saying that's a good reason not to do it of course um 
But yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think it would. And have Iris happened even in the said, 90s. "Yeah, and I like. I mean, that's and the it's complicated, right? Because yep. like even on the What We Left Behind documentary, um, Ira talks about like, hey, we did gay shit in the nineties. Good for us.' And he's like, "No, Garrick was very clearly gay, and we yeah. like avoided talking about yep. that. Like, and so it's the idea of like <laughs> they could feeling like they could have pushed harder yeah. and not being." you know self-congratulatory yeah. about the hey we did this for the 90s which i kind of appreciate um, yeah i think it's really it's it's good to know that you've done a little bit something but that you didn't do enough like i think that's really to be able to reflect and and figure that out is valuable for how you proceed in the future I think Farrell and, and Thompson are, like, really good in this episode, too. Yes. And like I, I find their romance really believable. Um, they have a lot in common. Like, they're both scientists. And, like, the whole, like, oh, I love your earrings. Here, why don't you have them? Like, that felt so natural to me. And it just, I think they both just really sell it. Yeah. Lesbian shit. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were really close to, you know, sharing clothes and, like. Exactly. If if Lenara would have liked it, I think Dax had the the U Haul pack to you know move in and and, and run away together and, yes. and everything else, right? So mm-hmm. and I really much enjoy uh, just yeah I don't know I'm just thinking about them. That's all. <laughs> this is probably like skipping ahead to the end, but I think I'll just talk about it here. Um, I think the thing that I do think kind of sucks and is unfortunate about the episode and like it would be or is my my nominee for most Star Trek thing is we have an epi- a, a romance episode and then it ends up being tragic because they I mean we're not bringing on a new character and Jedzy is not not leaving the show so you know it's in, in it's kind of a trope for Star Trek in and of itself like even yeah again episodes kind of any any Julian love story where you know he ends up falling for his patient is problematic inherently from the medical <laughs> standpoint but it's like malora left yeah. and then um well, in second sight she left like you know what yeah. i mean well, so i mean if you think about it this isn't even the first time that this has happened with jadzia because that's you true. have that episode where she almost left to go um was that goodwin from lost or whatever she yeah went to, like, Meridian he was on that called? planet yeah. that only showed up every like 90 something years i don't know whatever and like she was ready to go leave with him too. So like I totally think that's a valid uh Yeah, Dax is a U-Haul lesbian. We yeah. we totally get it. She really um, is. And while and while this is like a Star Trek trope, I think that's one uh, I, I do wanna call out the broader trope within media that this type of story would fit in, where it's like you have the queer, especially like a sapphic romance where they can't end up together and mm-hmm. like the only way that this could be even more like cliche of a pattern of that is if it was a period piece not in the future right <laughs> like... <laughs> i'm just imagining this being like portrait of a lady on fire well exactly like that's that being a really recent uh, example of the same tropes yes. i'm like talking about she's just or, a portrait i haven't she's seen it but like fire. ammonite too yeah so so again it's it's both the star trek trope and then like a broader like queer rep trope that yeah. is kind of unfortunate where it's like you can't 
you can't you can have the gays on your show but you can't give them a happy ending I um I was thinking interestingly about Kira and and Cisco's reaction to to all of this and how different they are. Um, Kira thinks the whole thing is ridiculous. The taboo, I mean, like she's like I don't understand. Like this is doesn't make sense. I mean, she's very Kira's very blunt and self righteous. Um, and Cisco has a little bit more history because of Curzon, but he also um, knows more about chill culture. And so he's telling Jadzia the realistic... Rep- like, he's reminding her of, like, the reper- repercussions um, of what would happen if he uh, if she decides to... I say run off, but, like, I mean, like, stay with Lenara. Um, and I think that... You know, he says he would support her regardless because they are, they are found family at this at this point. I think, um, and I, I just think it's so di- interesting that Kira is like so angry. But I, I don't, I don't think she, like, imagine if Kira did something where she could no longer like be Bajoran or like she, I don't think she understands. She's just, like, the angry friend that doesn't realize how serious it would be if it was her. I don't know. I just guess I think she's being... She's just a little naive. Kira. That might just be my cynicism. That, like, love isn't everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of the episode, the wormhole thing works for, like, a second. (laughs) And then the Defiant gets uh, damaged. Um... And I think um, when they're holding each other, when Jadzia rescues Lenara, and they're like, I don't want to lose you again, like, at that point, you kind of think that they're going to run off together, like, that they're, that this is it. Um, and Jadzia, you know, comes to see her and offers her everything. She wants her to come work with her on Deep Space Nine, they'll do their research, and it's really clear at this point that Lenara has already decided that she's going to leave. Um, she doesn't want to give up her career it's almost like the failure of the artificial wormhole project is a metaphor. Hmm. Almost. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? So, Elise, what are did you or did you not enjoy season four, episode six, Rejoined? I really liked it a lot. I was worried that I was going to feel like they were playing with me a little bit. Um, in like a queer baity way and I feel like maybe they were but it didn't bother me um it yeah I just really enjoyed it I think I had forgotten that the the issue was not that there were two women and that was reassuring and really refreshing to to have that be the way the episode went or didn't go rather what about you yeah no I I I liked it and like I think it does a better job as an episode of doing what people say it does, like in terms of its like reputation in the culture, mm-hmm. more so than like I said, either Plato's stepchildren or or the outcast. And I guess in terms of like the tropes of like the representation of like queer characters in media, like yes, it's the tragic romance that are not able to be together, but hey at least one of them doesn't die and we're not burying our gaze. So yeah, that it could have really been worse. Rude. That is t- better than uh, the alternative. 
Well, at least we've been we've been talking for a minute or two. We've Just been a like dot. We've been diving into, you know, queer trauma, queer romance. I don't know. For some reason, the way that you said diving in made me giggle. Thighs, earmuffs, who's to say? Yes. All right. It's time for the Altair Water Thirst Quencher. Altair Water first being mentioned by Dr. McCoy in Star Trek Three, And Elise, who are you thirsting for this week? That was one hot as fuck kiss between Lenora and Jadzia. <laughs> like... Yeah, the like wanting and longing. Oh, whew. and I'm, like, the wanting comes in waves. Bit. It went on longer than I remembered in a good way. I mean, it wasn't endless or anything, but it was. It wasn't like a nine or two and O kiss, but it was great. Nine or two and O kisses are usually like egregious. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have a second one though. <laughs> Please. Like, well, to make up for all the times that we don't have them, because, like, there's a lot of episodes that are not horny or, like, you know, a little too serious. Um, When Worf was at the party, like, welcoming the scientists and scaring everybody about his Klingon dreams, and Kira's like, I don't know if he's joking or not. Like, just, I love a boy that makes everyone uncomfortable by being a weirdo. Like, that is... I'd be so turned on if I was, like, one of the people in that conversation. <laughs> I'd be like, please tell me more about these scary dreams. And the thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Um, yeah, I think Worf and that, that scene that you're talking about, I think it's it's a really good bit. And the, like, is he serious? Is he not serious thing? Um... Yeah, I think, yeah, it's good. It's fun. I like when Worf is like that. All right, I already mentioned my most Star Trek thing of the episode. Elise, what's yours? Um, I think it's just, like, in general, like, having an in-world um, reminder of some, some things that you might have forgotten. Um, so Quirk reiterating, like, the Order of Dax's hosts and, like, the connection between Lenara and Jadzia to the audience. And to be honest, like, I genuinely needed that reminder. <laughs> so just giving me a little bit, like, of a previously on without giving me a previously on is, is mine. All right. Well, until next time, Elise, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Storygraph at chicken double underscore tendy that's t-e-n-d-i and you can now find me on blue sky at chicken tendy and you yeah you can find me on twitter letterboxd and blue sky at maddie hugh m-a-t-t-y-h-u-g-h you can catch us together at twitter and instagram at pod and you can also email us at pod at gmail.com please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.